You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Weinrib, alongside Thomas Carinante and the New York Yankees. Well, they took another series to end the longest homestand of the year. Why is nine games the longest homestand of the year? That's for me to not know and you to maybe find out, but still pretty cool to take two or three from the Washington Nationals after losing Friday's game with an embarrassing bullpen meltdown, the second in as many days. It is hard not to be heartened despite the failures of the offense overall by a double walk-off weekend that I don't know if it felt like this to you, Thomas. It felt to me a little bit like that Minnesota Twins mid-May weekend in 2009. Just a little bit, not a ton, just a bit, especially obviously helped along by the extra innings rule. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We will be more than happy to answer it. We're going to break down this series in full as well as what we have coming for us this week. Going to Tampa yet again. Not sure why that's happening, but it seems like we will have one particular reinforcement on the roster for those games. We're going to be breaking down the wins, too, of course, including Saturdays, which came at the expense of future Yankees number two starter Max Scherzer. So that's pretty cool. Thomas Carinante, <laughs> happy Monday. How's it going? Uh, still some weaknesses here, but rather do a series winning pod than a series losing pod, especially because both wins. Were pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. I'm feeling good. Uh, I'm pleased with the product. I know things could be better, guys. I know I know the hitting could be better. I know it'd be great if Judge wasn't slumping like we talked about uh, at the end of the Astros series. If he literally does anything like 
we're we're talking like a, a pretty substantial win streak here. That's that's my opinion. But uh, look, uh, they ruined Pizza Friday with that disastrous eleven to four loss where the bullpen crazy gave up eight, that crazy, just insane. And then they followed up with spoiling Scherzer's four, historic fourteen strikeout performance on Saturday, which was honestly one of the dumbest games I've ever watched. Uh, I kept tuning in and tuning out just because it was so frustrating. Um, and then you, and then that was a walk-off win in extras. And then the Yankees, they said, you know what? We're not going to extras on Sunday, dude. We're sending everybody home on mother's day early bottom of the ninth, Brad hand again. Uh, we're just putting him in his place. So, uh, very, uh, fortunate that, uh, we got to face him as a member of his new national league team. Uh, in a very odd mix because we play the Nationals, what, every so uh, every uh, three, four years. I have no we idea. We played him famously in 09. Yeah. Another another little parallel. They came yeah. to the Bronx when they were at their absolute worst and I think took a two out of three from us in 2009. There were more lows than highs in, in 2000 in early season 2009, which you probably don't remember anyway. Oh, my God. Sorry. Um, oh, there is. A, I have breaking news. I, oh, this is cra- this is the oh third God. straight podcast where there's been breaking news, which I, I hate to even do. But this is your pubic service announcement. Luke Voigt has been. No, that's not the news that might happen, but that's not the news. <laughs> Manscaped engineering team has confirmed they have successfully created the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the USA and Canada. We are among the first to have access to this trimmer, although it's been a little longer since the news actually broke. Because remember, it broke last Wednesday and then again Friday and then now. But still, that's fine. We are among the first to be telling you about this. It's got a new multifunction on off switch, which again engage a travel lock created for people who like to travel and you know maybe you're going from scranton to tampa and you need to make some quick you know ball adjustments along the way you can do that lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn the 4000k led spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave maybe in the back of a dark plane not sure why you're doing this in public but you never know the new trimmer even allows you to customize your trim all over through additional guard lengths with sizes one through four and it's sleek with a two-tone matte and gloss finish that even features a hot foil stamp black chrome manscaped logo if this interests you, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That is 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code FANSIDED20. Wireless charging on this thing, Ooh. waterproof. You can groom in the shower. Do not have to worry about making a mess on your bathroom floor or, like I said, in the back of a cramped seat on a plane from Scranton to Tampa, which I, I don't think that's a bus. I think that's a plane trip. Just a reminder, 20% off. Free shipping, fansided20, manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. So, Thomas, let's break down the series a little bit. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton, red hot, blazing hot, entering the series. Ice cold entering his final at-bat of the third game of the series. I think that was his first hit of the series, and it was a pretty good one. He smacked a 2-2 pitch through the left side for the walk-off line drive single winner. Sunday's walk-off win was much more ABC elementary than Saturday's, which involved a blown lead in the ninth thanks to Glaber Torres' clutch hitting. He is hitting 296 with runners in scoring position, by the way. Mm. Power's not there. The clutch hitting is weird year for Glaber Torres, and obviously a lot of that has to do with the baseballs, which were changed between last offseason and this season, but we won't get too deep into that. Uh, it involved the Yankees tying the game in the ninth against Brad Hand. Brad Hand coming back for the 10th after Roldis Chapman had given up the free runner uh, and surrendering a Mike Ford Ruby single, and then the Yankees uh, Justin Wilson held the Nats in the top of the 11th. And once that happens, you can't lose legally. You 
if you lose that game after Justin Wilson's uh, appearance, then you should be excommunicated from Major League Baseball. The Yankees didn't. They got uh, a walk, another walk, and then a little infield single from Glaber Torres. I think even without the ghost runner, like even if the ghost runner had scored in that top of that inning, I'm pretty sure the Yankees would have walked off. They would have tied the game and had the bases loaded with no outs. Can't be positive of anything these days, but I do think they would have probably won. Uh, and what a way to come back from uh, a Chad Green meltdown on Thursday that took away an Astro sweep and embarrassed us with the Jose Altuve homer and a Jonathan Lewisica meltdown on Friday, which turned a 3-3 baseball game in the eighth into an 11-4 loss. And for those of us New Yorkers who are watching all of New York sports, uh, Yankees 3-3 game became an 11-3 massacre that they scored an extra garbage time run in, followed by the Knicks having a seven-point lead with a minute remaining in the third on the road in Phoenix, blowing that lead uh, and being down by two entering the fourth because R.J. Barrett flipped an inbounds pass in, which was stolen, laid up for two points at the very end of that quarter. And then the Knicks started fighting people and lost that game by over 20. And it felt like I just watched the Yankees and Knicks play the same game for five straight hours. Not a pleasant Friday, but double walk-offs make it a lot better. Uh, what's sort of your most positive takeaway from this weekend, if anything? Uh, I know... Uh, a lot of us are sort of struggling to adjust to the fact that the Yankees offense, which has been really bad, is also basically league average. They're slightly mm -hmm. above league average uh, because of all the adjusted set. They have a 102 OPS plus. Uh, it's very embarrassing. The ball's different. Pitchers are better than ever. Uh, it's been unpleasant to watch, but it's been unpleasant to watch everywhere. So contextualizing the whole thing, what do you really take away from this weekend? We got two wins, man, and Stanton was one for 10. I know that was the one hit was the game-winning hit, which was great, and Judge was one for eight, and he took the day off on Sunday. Oh, so deserved gonna, day off. Yeah, and he should have. Everyone's freaking out. Oh, my God, he has a day off before an off day. Just give him the days off. The slump that he's enduring, he had seven straight strikeouts at one point. He's batting 43 uh, over his last, like, 25 or something at bats. Give him a rest. Who cares? Uh the, the pitching is getting it done um, aside from the last two bullpen meltdowns, but you're going to get those when you start the first month of the season where nobody can hit your bullpen. Um, but I think the biggest takeaway is the fact that they remained resilient. They came through in situations when they needed to, obviously the Nats helped out with their own futility, but guess what? We've seen teams be futile in the past and the Yankees just get continue to open the door and give them chances upon chances. They didn't do that necessarily in this series as, uh, as they usually have. And Stanton one for 10 judge one for eight. You win two out of three against the pitching staff that has very good arms. You face Max Scherzer. I know Patrick Corbin's not having uh, a good year thus far, but he's still a solid arm. And Joe Ross is not great, but he's also not bad. So uh, I'm interested he, in Joe Ross. Yeah. I, I will get into that later, but he's oddly an oddly kind of like decently long career uh, a brother of Tyson Ross. Uh, remember him. Pretty cool guy. Um <laughs> pretty cool guy indeed uh pretty yeah cool joe ross joe ross been around since 2015 he's been he's been doing the thing he's a solid arm uh but i also got to give props to the starting rotation man domingo herman without that one mistake to kyle schwarber he might have gone seven shutout uh he left that ball right up in the zone for schwarber to just destroy into the second deck that tied the game in the seventh inning on sunday um yankees would prevail however uh and of course Corey Kluber again on Saturday. Uh, it wasn't exactly pretty, but uh, we're seeing we're starting to see more length from him. Five and two thirds. Uh, he went 101 pitches in this one, uh, lowered his ERA to 3.06 on the year, uh, went toe to toe with Scherzer. Scherzer gave up one run. You keep the Yankees in the game in, uh, against Max Scherzer. And at some point, this offense is going to come around, especially against the bullpen that isn't exactly lights out like the Nats. So um, I know, look, 
I know it's the Nats who aren't exactly atop the league in offense, but you look at this lineup, Trey Turner, Juan Soto, Josh Bell, Kyle Schwarber, even our old friend Starlin Castro, like Victor Robles. This isn't a bad lineup. They're just not entirely coming around. Kind of like a, if you're if you're a fan of another team and you face the Yankees and your starter, you know, blank the Yankees, wouldn't that be an accomplishment, even if they're undergoing some sort of slump? This Nationals offense is certainly much better uh, than it. Uh, is producing at the moment. So you have to tip the cap to the starting rotation, especially because it wasn't our, it wasn't necessarily our best arms going here. Jordan Montgomery, Garrett Cole didn't pitch. Um, so when you have Herman Kluber uh, and uh, Tyone pitch Friday, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he did well, six and a third, three earned runs. He had the, he early on, it was, it didn't look great, but again, 99 pitches. So you like the length you're seeing there. We're starting to get deeper into games. Uh, and th- those, those are my two takeaways. Starting rotation, slowly starting to come together. Hopefully I know we still have a lot more time, but I like the way that it's potentially looking for the postseason. Should we make it there? Cause we're going to have some pretty good length. I don't understand anything about what's going on with the nationals lineup. To be honest, they're, yeah. they're towards the bottom of the league and home runs hit. And they really, all they did, and maybe they're being victimized by the dejuiced ball more than anyone. And that's, you know, highly possible. And Juan Soto missed a lot of time. Of course, he came back for this weekend, though, because why wouldn't he? Um, <laughs> but they, the, the national sort of bet on these high variance power forward bounce back candidates like Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber. Schwarber is a more complete hitter than Bell in terms of OBP and all that stuff, but they're just not hitting at all. I mean, Schwarber hitting 190 with three homers, and one of them was hit this weekend, and it maybe went 700 feet into Barry Bonds territory in the upper deck and right. Josh Bell's hitting 147 with three homers, also homered in this series and looked a little dangerous. But the Nationals made a made a bet that, okay, in the modern era, we're going to get some dudes who hit for 30 to 40 home runs worth a pop and they had weird 2020s and maybe they won't have weird 2021s. And so far through April and part of May, they're having extremely weird and bad 2021s. Um, the pitching staff is still good. Patrick Corbin has struggled mightily this year, although he struggled mightily all caps in his first couple starts and has turned it around the next couple. Yankees touched him up a little bit. DJ LeMay, who got him twice in case you were worried about mm-hmm. the uh, de-juiced ball taking away DJ LeMahieu's ability to go oppo, take things to the short porch. He did it. He hit the same home run twice on a Friday night. And if he could do that more often, it'll be definitely a precursor of good events uh, for the future. But uh, yeah, the Yankees lost a tight one on, on Friday that went from a tight one to an absolute laugher in the late innings, managed to hang with Max Scherzer. That's how you beat Max Scherzer. Like you're, you're not going to, uh, outside of an annoying, weird outlier, you're not going to just bring the lumber to the Max Scherzer game and score four runs in five innings and win a 5-2 baseball game. Corey Kluber has to not match Max Scherzer, but at least keep it within one run, probably, yeah. for his departure. You have to get Scherzer's pitch count up enough that he's not completing the game. The Yankees did that. They got him out um, in the middle of the eighth, right? Yeah, um, right. He, yeah, yeah he, seven and a third. Yeah, he came damn close to finishing this game. Yeah. But I, I mean, it sounds weird and counterintuitive, but if Max Scherzer's going to strike out 14, that's a preferable thing to him, you know, striking out eight and getting a bunch of one-pitch grounders and everybody attacking the first pitch and he goes nine. Um, you got him out before the end of the game. All you can do, the Nats bullpen, which has been a historic, you know, black eye for them, I believe entered Friday's game with like a perfect game's worth of scoreless retired batters or something. They were some ridiculous stat that they, they have gone a crazy amount of scoreless innings or consecutive batters retired. I believe they did a, they did 27 up 27 down entering Friday's game, which was was offhandedly mentioned on the broadcast. 
And I was like, that's a <laughs> that's a deranged thing. Like the Nats bull, I, like I was rooting to get into the Nats bullpen. And now you're telling me that it's actually like not only good, but like superlative good. Um, Yankee struggled a little bit with Austin Voth. Um, don't need to get into that. But I mean, Brad Hand was just there for the taking every time he appeared in this game. I'm glad the Yankees didn't sign Brad Hand now. That seems like a smart non-non-tender. Um, a lot of baseball teams at this juncture are not very good. Offense is down around the league. The Nationals are among them. I'm not sure if they're going to be this bad all year. Uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers are 18 and 17. The Yankees have a better record than the Dodgers who started off the year 13 and 2. The Red Sox have the best record in baseball. They're 22 and 13. One, we've talked about them in the past. I don't think anything has changed. They're good. They can hit. They are five and one in the last six games against the Tigers and Orioles. That has taught me absolutely nothing about them. Losing three out of four on the road to Texas right beforehand felt more indicative of what the Red Sox can do in their high variance season. I overreacted to their ridiculously hot nine game winning streak. They beat the Twins, who are among the worst teams in baseball, apparently. We didn't know that at the time. I think the Red Sox are an 85 win team. Cool. But if they're the team that's quote unquote running away with the East, the Yankees did a good job of hanging with them this weekend against much higher levels of competition. Trust me, the Red Sox schedule gets harder in the second half of May and June and July. No more cupcakes for them. Seriously, I'm serious. They might still win games, but they do not have cupcakes like at Texas, Detroit at home for three, then go at Baltimore. Um, so we'll learn a lot more in the next couple of weeks about what's going on there. They might still be a an above average team, but the Yankees did a good job hanging with them against higher levels of competition while they feasted on the cupcakes like good teams do. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Mad Max Scherzer, Yankees target. I don't know. And the Yankees have the number one hottest prospect in minor league baseball. It's true. Stick around. Jamie's log. Progressive. The Harrington's backyard. Day 27. 3.33 a.m. 3.33. All those threes mean something. Or I may be losing it. Been camped in the Harrington's backyard for 27 days now, proving that Progressive has 24-7 protection. They told me every day they understand what 24-7 protection means. Think I'm finally getting through to them. 3-3-3. Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection. Just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Welcome back to the Yanksco Yard podcast. So yeah, a Max Scherzer trade target. Is it a realistic venture? I don't know. If you are watching the Nats, you are currently rooting for them as a Yankee fan to continue to suck now that they have left the Bronx. The NL East was supposed to be the best division in baseball with like a bunch of high-level competition. The Mets have won five in a row. They are suddenly, you know, climbing to the top. The Phillies are a slightly over 500 team that lost one of the worst games you can lose as a franchise in Atlanta on Saturday <laughs> night. Uh, a, a crazy, a crazy, crazy, crazy game where they blew a three-run extra innings lead immediately. They blew it, they blew it right away. Uh, it's obviously easier to do with the free runner, but yeah, that was a tragic game and my thoughts and prayers to whoever spent their time watching that from the city of Philadelphia. But it would appear that everyone in the NL East is, eh, instead of everyone in the NL East being very good. Uh, you want the Nats to fall out of it. This is the final year of Max Scherzer's contract. The deadline pickings this summer might either be extremely boring with a struggling Luis Castillo and a struggling Kyle Hendricks and some Pirates cast-offs, or it might be extremely interesting with a Justin Verlander 2017-type game-changer in Scherzer on the market, it will either be an opportunity for the Yankees to look at the luxury tax and go, 
uh, we actually have a chance to take control of an American League with no dominant teams. Can't we just do it just this once? Or it may be another opportunity for, shake your head, the Houston Astros to just do the Verlander move redux as they wait for Verlander to come back from TJ. There's no Garrett Cole walking through that door this year. The Astros could get Max Scherzer and be extremely annoying. But I choose to believe that the Yankees will evaluate the situation properly if he hits the market. And remember, there's a Jacoby Ellsbury grievance floating around that might pass the Yankees over the luxury tax threshold, in which case they should have more motivation to do a who cares and add Scherzer. Do you think there is a chance we get Max Scherzer, Thomas? I know you've been beating this drum for a long, long time. And the budget concerns, the roller coaster budget sort of makes it seem like it won't happen, but there's no justification for not pursuing if he's available. No, this we've been talking about this for years. We thought it would happen this offseason, but then uh, Nats general manager Mike Rizzo kind of he kind of retooled this team perfectly. If we're if we're being honest, um, they are a, a pseudo contender right now. The NL East is stacked, so he really did all he could to like make this team as competitive as possible without blowing past the luxury tax threshold or making prohibitive trades to kind of uh, deplete the farm system. Uh, you know, he went out and he got Josh Bell. He signed, uh, Kyle Schwarber. He signed Brad hand. Um, and look at all these guys coming off the books next year. Scherzer, Starlin Castro, Daniel Hudson, hand, Jan Gomes, uh, Ryan Zimmerman, Josh Harrison, a lot of guys coming off the books. So they're going to have a lot of money next year to, I guess, figure out what they want to do. And what better way to kind of replenish yourself even more than by trading Scherzer for the final two and a half months of the season, get a ton of, uh, prospect capital in return because you know he's gonna he's gonna yield that kind of return. It doesn't matter if you're getting two and a half months of Max Scherzer. This is not a rental. This is I mean it, it in it actually is a rental, but it doesn't seem that way when you're making the trade. This is like the highest profile of rentals you can make, and it feels like it it, it will not feel like a rental when the year is over, assuming that the success and the ceiling is reached with uh, with him. But like you said, perfect opportunity for the Yankees to do it. If they lose this Jacoby Ellsbury grievance, that means they have to add, I think, twenty one point six million dollars to the books on twenty twenty one, which blows them past the luxury tax threshold. And then at that point, if it's a little bit over halfway through the season and you're looking at Scherzer, you're probably looking at paying him between fourteen and $15 $15 million for the remainder of the year. So like, what's that? Just get taxed another, what, $3 million on that? Who cares? It exponentially uh, increases your World Series odds. He's still one of the best pitchers in the game, regardless of his age. I think he's, what, 35 now? He's 36. I think he's, so, yeah, I think he's yeah, a little older. He's 36, but look what he just did. He just went 7-30 and a 30 Yankee Stadium, 14 Ks, which was t- tied a record or broke a record for uh, most by a visiting pitcher um, at Yankee Stadium. Uh, he's got a 2.33 ERA on the year. He's battle tested. He helped his team. He helped the Nats through that uh, 2019 World Series run. Uh, it's simply a move you have to make. I know that the Yankees kind of uh, set themselves up nicely by hanging on to Herman um, and banking on a nice year by Jordan Montgomery. Uh, Herman's returning those. Uh, he, he's he's returning the favor in kind of a big way over his last three four starts. Um, after the Yankees held on to him in those allegations and uh, Jordan Montgomery has, you know, he, he, he's, he's largely pitching well. Um, and you liked what we obviously liked what we saw from him in that uh, game four ALDS last year. But I think the Nats will be in perfect position if they're far out of Cause remember the NL East is, is a freaking bloodbath. Like I know the Mets are the Mets, but like they still have a good team. The Braves are very good. The Phillies got Dombrowski in there to kind of 
thrust them into more of a of a of a real uh, uh, contender uh, status because of all the holes that they were missing. Um, and then I know the Marlins aren't great, but they're still an annoying team to play because they have a lot of young talent. So if the Nats find themselves like far behind, I think in July, they're going to start evaluating these options and Mike Rizzo will hop on an opportunity to make sure that he's getting the best value possible. And Brian Cashman's probably going to have to make this move and go out of his comfort zone and trade more than he's, uh, he's pleased with. I rest assured if the Yankees do not trade for Max Scherzer at this deadline or if Max Scherzer is not available at this deadline, I will bang this drum again in the offseason that the Yankees should sign Max yes. Scherzer. Yes. And I also do think if he is traded, whoever trades for him will probably re-sign him on, these, on a, some sort of bloated two-year deal in the style of the Justin Verlander endless contracts in Houston. Like, it's the same thing, except it's the same thing, except for Scherzer's been better. So it's a different like Verlander at the time of the trade was trying to like reinvent himself and was struggling in 2017 in Houston. I should have put, I mean, in, in Detroit, I should have pulled this up and I will pull it up now. Um, I just didn't think I was going to be yelling about Justin Verlander and the Astros today, but back in 2017, yeah, Verlander, the question was like, wait, is he done Uh, 10 and eight, 3.82, 176 Ks and 172 innings in Detroit at the age of 34. I mean, in, and he had a 4.54 ERA season in 2014, injury short in 133 innings in 2015. He was very good in 2016 and eh in 2017 at the age of 34. So a lot of people were like, is Justin Verlander's career coming to an end? Is this one last chance to empty the tank for Justin Verlander? Of course, he goes to Houston and goes 5-0 and down the stretch with a 106 ERA. Who saw that coming? Everyone on earth. Struck out 290 and 214 innings the next year. 300 to 223 innings the next year, and then had to get Tommy John surgery in 2020. What a weird career for Justin Verlander. Um, but at the time, he was not even performing as well as Max Scherzer is now. Yeah. So will it cost a little more to obtain Scherzer than Verlander? Probably. It is a similar game-changing opportunity and one which I really hope the Yankees come through on. And if they do not, or if he is not available, sign the hell out of him entering 2022. It's what the Yankees would have done in 2000. It's a Roger Clemens-type acquisition for a rotation that has been better than most people anticipated. Uh, the Yankees' offense is slightly above league average. The Yankees' pitching is like third or fourth best in baseball in terms of FIP. This year, uh, they are red hot. It is weird. It's a strange feeling knowing that the bats every day are going to have to claw out just enough runs to help out the sterling starting pitching, especially because the names in the rotation are Kluber and Tyone bounce back people, Herman and Montgomery, two people who were big old question marks entering this year who have been good more often than they've been bad. It's a weird situation. It's hard to adjust, but yeah, the Yankees pitching has been very good. They could still use another arm to soak up innings and Max Scherzer is going to be the best option available. Of course, the best option available the last several years, Verlander, Cole, Granke has always gone to the Houston Astros. So hopefully the Yankees can buck that trend. And uh, I think that whoever gets Scherzer this year is going to sign him. So make sure that is not Houston. No, don't be surprised if it is Houston. Could be the Red Sox. Oh, sorry. Go. No, I'm just saying we can't forget about the Red Sox. If they're playing this good this this year, they could potentially trade for him because they they threw all their money away with with all the with the trades from last year. So don't forget about them. I just they're getting Chris Sale. They're getting Chris Sale back. uh, Probably. Um, And we're getting Severino back. I mean, yeah, the Red Sox are uh, what they're good. They're they're definitely good. I I forgot about Severino. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting Luis Severino back. Apparently (laughs) he's he's towing them out in the next couple of days. Um, 
Red Sox are good. They're they're definitely good. I, I think I thought they were going to be good next year. They're a year ahead of schedule. That they they're not building stupidly. No. It's annoying that they're good because you know they did trade Mookie Betts, which is not something that should be rewarded by competence in year two. Um, year three, fine. I think none of us when they traded Mookie Betts were like Verdugo sucks, Jeter down sucks. We were all just like, God, it's ridiculous to trade. You should just sign Mookie Betts. It's usually Mookie Betts is better than Verdugo, um, but Verdugo is not bad. Um, they're probably a year ahead of schedule. I think they're going to be a fine team this year. But if they were to trade for Max Scherzer in the middle of the season, because uh, they're a year ahead of schedule, that definitely changes things. So, yeah, watch out for them, I guess. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd rather have Max Scherzer than not have Max Scherzer. Before we sign off, I do want to talk about the, the minor league season, which began this week. Uh, the New York Yankees have the hottest, weirdest team in the minor leagues, the Tampa Tarpons, who have, I believe, in six games scored 78 runs. And one of the main catalysts, remember, they play in a major league ballpark. They're in Tampa, which is where the Yankees train. You watch the Yankees play in this ballpark all throughout spring training. Trevor Hover, the third round pick in 2020 out of Arizona State. Supposed to be an advanced college bat. Uh, he's more advanced than I think we even anticipated in 18 end bats. 10 hits, nine runs scored, six homers, six homers, six homers, 13 ribby, 556 average, 654 OBP, 2.265 OPS plus 10 hits. Nine of them have been over 100 miles an hour exit velocity. That earned the 22-year-old number one on the Baseball America hot sheet this week, the hottest prospect in the game of baseball. He's definitely going to get called up to high A soon. Um, so just an end of podcast shout out to Trevor who was in the twenties on your Yankees top 30 prospects list and then has shown up for the 2021 season doing something, uh, we've never seen a prospect do before in his official professional debut. Watch out, Tyler Wade. That's all I'm going to say, uh, it, Watch out, we, Tyler. I mean, yeah, true. it's an advanced college bat. He's it's 22. True. You yeah. can't discount that. It's not an 18 year old doing this. I know. I'm the, I look, they've taught, they've the last couple of drafts, they went after guys who they thought could have bats that accelerated throughout the minor leagues. Austin Wells was the latest evidence of that. Um, Hover was the, he was 2020 as well, right? Yeah. He was 2020 yeah. third round pick. Wells was the first round pick. So Yankees clearly, I guess they knew their deficiencies on the, from the left side of the plate. They're not getting many good left-handed at bats this year. Um, do, do we think Wells and or Hover will play a big role in 2020, uh, 2021? I don't know, but like if Hover can play the corner outfield spots, second base and be, you know, the last guy off the bench and actually provide some offensive injection at some point, which is an upgrade over Tyler Wade, then I don't see why they wouldn't make that switch. And don't forget about uh, Estefan Florial. He's also dominating at double A. Yeah. I don't think we realized that at least I didn't realize. So maybe I'm the idiot. He never played above high A until this year. I had no idea because he made his debut with us last year because of the short in 2020. Uh, He didn't look too great. Um, And then fans were just, it was weird because fans just were quick to give up on that. I was like, oh, Florial's not the answer. Just throw him in a trade package. We'll figure this out. But uh, yeah, guy stinks. He's injury prone because he broke his wrist once. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, uh, he's with uh, double a Somerset. Now Yankees new affiliate Somerset Patriots slashing 318, 400, 955 with five runs scored four homers and six RBIs. And he could play some center field. So look at the Yankees outfield right now. Not very much, not performing well. Even Aaron judge is slumping. 
in in a bad way at the moment. Aaron Hicks is slowly starting to come around, but like slowly starting to come around, meaning he's still what? He's still batting under 200. He's like 190 something. I, I think um, he's like 198 now. Yeah. He's hot, but yeah, still he's hot. But like, look at that. He's hot and he's still batting under 200. Brett Gardner and Clint Frazier couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat at the moment. Um, and they're both the lefty bit. Those uh, Gardner and Hicks are the two lefty bats who are supposed to be providing some relief. They're not really doing that. Uh, and from a larger uh, sample standpoint. So uh, if Florial, they decide to throw him at triple a in the coming, you know, weeks, maybe, maybe in a month and he continues to rake there, then we have a different story on our hands. Maybe, I don't know. I saw, I saw some people talking about releasing Gardner. I don't think that happens. That would be an extreme move, but uh, you know, lefty bat who can come off the bench and play a, play center field. That's, that's going to be valuable. Um, and it's another guy to keep an eye on, but, uh, Hover, I mean, Jesus, that's the, the, every update you've seen. It's like, Oh, he's hit a ball 400 and whatever feet at hundred and whatever miles an hour. I'm like, it's happened again. Is this just like a, a scheduled tweet or something? What's going on? Someone just talking about what he did, what he did in his first game. <laughs> nope. Just keeps happening, keeps happening. And it's, it's great to see because that uh, these two guys could very well be part of the future for the Yankees organization. And, um, They've had some trouble developing talent uh, over the years, and maybe we could see a swift change in that uh, in that development as as the next couple of years go by. Yeah, it's exciting because I just think it's two guys we maybe didn't have our eye on. I don't know how many people were like utility infielder from the 2020 draft. Trevor Hover can make a huge impact. Well, like if he's going to hit 100 mile an hour exit velocity, six homers in five games, then yeah. And then Floreal, for better or worse. It's like the disease of he's been around to. It's like people are bored of yeah. him and he had a lot of swing and miss problems at single A after he shattered his wrist on that leaping catch. And so everyone was like, Florial, yeah, he's been around forever, but he's 23. He's filling out. He's a double A and he's ripping bombs and the strikeout numbers aren't embarrassing. He's got six in 22 at-bats to start off the season. Um, keep your eyes. Um, you know, I'm not saying he's coming up. I, I think you'd rather have Brett Gardner on the roster for insurance purposes. You don't want your next line of defense to be Estevan Florial, but there is a chance he makes us forget about the Mike Talkman disaster by mm-hmm. continuing to hit a double A, making his way to Scranton, and then making his way back to the majors a little bit more equipped for the task than last year when he just showed up because the Yankees had too many injuries. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> what the hell is going on? Um, his return to the majors would make a lot more sense than that cameo appearance in the bigs. That is it for this edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review, a mailbag question in that review. We'll be more than happy to answer it. Until next time, I'm Adam Weinrib. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. Yankees have the day off today, everyone. But guess what? We're somehow back in Tampa. I don't know how it's happening again, but it's starting on Tuesday night. Hopefully Luke Voigt is back to help lead the charge. Let's punk the Rays. Let's enjoy our Monday and our Tuesday. And we'll talk to you next on Wednesday, everyone. Head on over to YanksGoYard.com and talk to us on the official YanksGoYard Twitter account at YanksGoYardFS. Hey, find us there. We'll see you. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.